and sisters, Christ is risen. Please be seated. Uh, can I get you to turn with me, please, to uh, that, that passage page on page 13 of the Order of Service booklets? If there are people at the back looking for seats, there are some seats in this corner here. Uh, there are seats right down here in this corner, and there's some seats here. And I can see a row of seats over here as well. Uh, so feel free to come. You can come through the outside and come in and slip in here if you like. Uh, uh, and then you can, uh, you can have a seat, all right, at the, in the front. Uh, so page uh, 13 uh, of the Order of Service uh, booklets, Mark chapter 16. Uh, there's an outline of the sermon on the, on the uh, other handout you received as you came in, the, the bulletin. Uh, in the center pages, there's two, there's two outlines, so careful you get the right one. That's uh, the one in the center page. Uh, of, the, of the bulletin. Now, let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that indeed you have raised your son, the Lord Jesus, from the dead. And thank you that we can celebrate that resurrection uh, together uh, today. Our Father, we thank you that uh, he is our king, uh, that he rules over his church. And Father, we pray uh, that now as we uh, consider your word, uh, we pray that your Holy Spirit uh, would work. Uh, we pray that he will strengthen me, enable me to preach your word rightly in his power. Uh, may he work in each one of our hearts, uh, helping us to see our risen King, to love him and to serve him. Uh, so we commit this time to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we all know that today is a special day, isn't it? For today, people from all over the world, from many nations and backgrounds, young and old, will do something special to mark April Fool's Day. <laughs> many media outlets will run ridiculous but funny news stories to see if they can fool us. Like that famous BBC broadcast I'm sure you've heard about, about the Swiss farmers picking freshly grown spaghetti from spaghetti plants. Apparently, a number of people were ringing up BBC asking, where do I get a spaghetti plant? Right? <laughs> Although, this year, the media outlets will need to be a little bit careful lest their April Fool's joke be considered fake news. Today, however, we are considering something far more serious and something much bigger, and yet something far more joyous, and something that certainly is no prank. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So for the next few minutes, let's go back to the first Easter Sunday, nearly 2,000 years ago, and see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today about these things through this ancient record uh, written by Mark. Mark records the resurrection from the point of view of a couple of women. They are named in verse 1 as Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome. These women are heroes in Mark's gospel. Uh, they had followed Jesus. They were in a group of women who had followed Jesus when he was up north in Galilee. They had served him there. And then they had followed him down to Jerusalem. Now, we know the 12 disciples were also in Galilee. They also followed Jesus to Jerusalem. But on the night that he was betrayed, they all ran away. In fact, Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. And most of the others went into hiding. 
But these women followed Jesus all the way to the end. They were there at the cross with him at the end, even though they were watching from a distance. They were there when, when he was buried. They saw him being laid in the tomb. They saw a large stone cover the entrance. They served Jesus in Galilee. They traveled with him to Jerusalem. They were there at his death, and they were still there when he was buried. They followed Jesus to the very end. They did what all his male disciples failed to do. They are heroes in Mark's gospel. And now, even after his death and burial, they still love him. And they still want to serve him. And so now Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, they buy spices in verse 1, so they might go and anoint him. And very early, verse 2, on the first day of the week, they go to the tomb. Mark tells us that by the time they're approaching the tomb, the sun is risen. A new day has dawned. A new week has begun. And they're about to find out a whole new era in the history of the world has just commenced. As they walk to the tomb, however, they do realize that they have a problem. They have the spices for Jesus' body. Jesus' body is in the tomb, but there's still that whopping great, 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 great stone in front. How are they going to get past the stone to the body? We don't know. Maybe they already asked some of the disciples to come and help, but they didn't want to come. Maybe in their grief, they hadn't thought this through carefully enough until now. But whatever it is, on their way, they're asking each other, who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? They don't have an answer, but they, they still press on. And when they get to the tomb, they make a surprising discovery. The stone, verse 4, has been rolled back. And they note at the end of the verse, it's very large, probably even larger than they had remembered. So, so it's good that it's been moved, but, but what's happened? Well, these brave women enter the tomb, and they get such a shock. Because there, on the right side, is this young man, dressed in white, sitting in the tomb. How scary would that be? No wonder, in verse 5, it says they're alarmed. But this young man, whom we know as an angel, tells them not to be alarmed. He knows what they've come to see. He says in verse 8, You seek Jesus of Nazareth. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. You look for the man whom you served as he, as he went around Galilee teaching and healing. You're looking for the man whom you faithfully followed from Galilee down to Jerusalem. You're looking for the man who was betrayed and tried and sentenced to death in a gross miscarriage of justice. You're looking for the man who on Friday was subjected to terrible mocking and scorn and jeering and shame. You're looking for the man who was flogged and beaten and nailed to a cross. You're looking for a man whose death was confirmed and whose body you saw buried here last night, uh, on, 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 uh, right here on Friday. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. And then he says, he gives them that news. He is risen. He is risen. 
Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified is alive. Before he died, Jesus cried out to the Father. The Father heard his cries and rescued his son. God overturned the verdict of the sham courts. God vindicated his king. On Good Friday, the centurion who executed him, he said, surely this man was the son of God. And God the Father said, yes. He was humiliated. Now he's exalted. He was killed. Now he's alive. Jesus trusted God, and God saved him by raising him from the dead. He is not here, the angel said. He is not here. The, the tomb wasn't quite empty. There was at least three people around there, but not one of them was Jesus. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Have a look. He's alive, and he's gone. But he hasn't gone without leaving a message. Here's the message, verse 7. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Isn't Jesus kind to his disciples? Isn't he kind? Remember, they had abandoned him. And now he's the one reaching out to them. And did you notice that he especially mentions Peter? Peter was the one who denied him, just as Jesus had predicted, and then broke down with tears when he realized what he'd done. But Jesus wants to make sure that Peter knows that he is included as well. Isn't that good of him? Now, when the disciples finally received this message, it Probably was a big surprise to them, but actually it shouldn't have been. Because back in Mark 14, 27, just before he predicted Jesus' denial, on the night before he died, Jesus said this to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. He knew he would be killed. He knew his disciples would flee. But then he adds, But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. The good shepherd was going to bring his flock together again. And so the angel sends the message to the women, and actually it's just a repeat of what Jesus said before he died. Everything was still actually going according to plan. But why Galilee? After all, there's lots of things that are going to be happening in Jerusalem in the next few weeks, and Jesus will later tell his disciples to stay there. Why is he first sending them all the way back up north? Well, you see, Galilee is the place where Jesus had first met them. That's where they started their following of Jesus. Now they have failed, but Jesus has triumphed, and he has forgiven them. And he wants them to go all the way back to the beginning and start as his disciples once again with him as their risen king. I wonder if there's anyone here who is a little bit like these disciples. Maybe you used to follow Jesus and then something happened and, and you abandoned him. 
Maybe you denied him. He said, no, he's not my king. You failed him. I am so glad you've come back to church this morning. For Jesus has a heart for you, like he had for his failed disciples. His resurrection was not just new life for him, it was a new start for them in their relationship with him. And this Easter Sunday can be a new start for you as well. For when Jesus died on the cross, he died there for you. He paid on your behalf the penalty of your sin, including for the way you've treated him. So he can welcome you back today with open arms. Turn from sin and come back to Jesus as your risen king. And like the disciples this time, follow him faithfully to the very end no matter what the cost. Well, the women have seen the tomb. They've received the message from the angel. How do they respond? Well, verse 8 says they, they, they go out and they flee from the tomb in trembling and astonishment. They're shaking with fear. They were bewildered. They're full of trepidation and yet ecstasy. This is amazing. This is wonderful. This is frightening. Nothing like this ever happened before. What do I do with this? And our passage ends in this way. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, it doesn't mean they didn't say anything to anyone ever. In fact, we know that they gave the news to the disciples, as the angel had said. But So what does that mean here? It means the initial response that Mark leaves us with is silence. They didn't go around to all their friends and acquaintances and say, Hey, Christ is really going to be hurt. I went to the tomb, it's empty. You know, this angel coming. Come. They didn't put it on their Facebook page or tweet it to all their followers. They didn't say anything. What happened was so big, they were scared. We can only speculate as to why their, their fear stopped them from speaking at first. It may be that they were in a general state of shock after these events just needed time to process maybe they were afraid of the authorities who had arranged jesus death though up to this point they seem to be much braver than the disciples i suspect they say nothing because they're afraid that no one will believe them in jewish law at the time the testimony of women was not accepted as reliable now we might disagree strongly with that today but it shows you the kind of attitudes they would have to face if they did tell their story. And we know from the other Gospels that when they, they plucked up the courage and spoke to the disciples, the disciples also found it hard to accept. So if that's what they feared, their fears were not entirely unfounded. And so even these model disciples of Jesus, these wonderful women who loved him, who faithfully served him all the way to the end, are afraid to speak about his resurrection. You know, as we've read through Mark's gospel, we've seen many things through the eyes of these women because we've been with Jesus up in Galilee with them. We've followed Jesus with them from Galilee to Jerusalem. We've wept with them as they watched Jesus die and witness his burial. Together with them, we've received the message of the, of the resurrection. We know from elsewhere, if we kept on following their story, we we see that they actually meet the risen Jesus. They're, they are eyewitnesses who see him in the flesh. That, but that, that sets them apart from us in some way, doesn't it? Because how many of us have seen the risen Jesus in the flesh? 
But up to this point, there's something in common we have with them. They love Jesus, but they haven't yet seen the risen Jesus, though they have received the message of the resurrection. And the message is corroborated by the facts they have before them. The tomb, the prophecies, the witness of the angel, all fits. And they are told to deliver the message that Jesus is risen. But they're afraid. So having walked us in the women's shoes, so to speak, Mark now wants us to consider what would we do if we were in their situation? How would we finish this story? Would we speak? Or would we remain silent? And then he wants us to realize that actually we are in their situation. Like the women, we love Jesus. Like the women, at this point of the story, we haven't seen Jesus face to face in the flesh, though we will later. But what we have received is the message of the resurrection. A message corroborated by the facts we have before us, facts that we can easily check out. And we're told not only to believe the message, but to deliver it to others. What are we afraid of? What stops us from telling others that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? Are we afraid of people in authority? We're afraid of looking silly? We're afraid people won't believe us? Are we just afraid and don't know why? Friends, we know from the whole of Mark's gospel that Jesus is the Son of God. We know that he has died for our sins, suffering our punishment in our place. We know that he has risen from the dead and been vindicated as king. And we know that people from every tribe and language and nation and, and race need to come under him to be forgiven and live under him as their great and loving king. Do not be afraid. Pass on that message. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. We can and must be reconciled to him. That, my friends, is the good news of Easter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that indeed you have raised your son from the dead. Thank you for the assurance that it gives us that he truly is that, that king that you've been promising all along in the Old Testament. Thank you that he is our king who loves us, who's given himself for us. Thank you that he is the king who will return one day to judge the world. And thank you that he is the king who has promised to give us new life, eternal life. Father, we pray that you help us. We know, Lord, that this king is the one who loves us so much that he's, that he's ready to welcome those who have abandoned him. And we pray, if there are any of those here this morning, that you would draw them back to him, that they would know that he welcomes with open arms all who turn from sin and trust in him. And we thank you that he has given us this message of reconciliation to bring to the whole world that people would know that he has risen indeed. And we pray that you help us as we seek to, to pass this message on. Give us wisdom and strength in the way we do that. 
And we pray that uh, you help us not to be afraid. We ask these things, Lord, in his name. Amen. Having, 